Hello, my friends. I hope that this podcast finds you well today. Right now, I am in Las Vegas helping at a Conscious Discipline Institute. I have been looking forward to a week of networking, connections, and refreshing my brain on all things conscious discipline. I love feeling part of a group at a conference all week, and it was such a good experience when I attended these conferences. I am so excited to get to have the new experience of helping at the conference. So far, it has been a great experience. This week, I want to talk about security blankets. Now, you know what I mean. When I was little, we would watch Peanuts with Snoopy and Charlie Brown, and Linus would always carry around his security blanket wherever he went. We think of a security blanket as something that a child uses to give themselves comfort and emotional protection, as something to help them to calm and stabilize their emotions if they start to get upset. Something to help manage feelings. Well, I have been thinking about other things that can be used as a security blanket. Now, of course, there are lots of things that people use as buffers that could be compared to a security blanket. What you use to buffer means anything that someone might use to avoid feeling their feelings. It is normally something related to comfort or something that typically makes you feel comfortable or comforted, maybe something that makes you feel cared for or warm and safe and happy. People buffer with anything from food or alcohol to sleeping, avoiding work, or overworking, or going on social media, or overspending. But what I want to talk about today is the scenario where someone might actually use feelings as a security blanket. And I know this doesn't really make sense. If we use a security blanket to distract us from the fact that we have feelings, then how can it make sense if the security blanket is a feeling? And that is kind of my point. It doesn't make logical sense. Why would we choose a feeling to cover up another feeling? And if we did that, then obviously the buffer or the distraction or the blanket, if you will, must be a good, positive, happy feeling, right? And that is where it makes even less sense. Because in this scenario, the security blanket is a feeling like anger. And what it is covering up, more vulnerable feelings, such as sadness, shame, guilt, fear, or just vulnerability. It doesn't sound like a feeling like anger would make a good security blanket. Am I right? When you think of a blanket, one like Linus's, you think of something maybe comfy and cozy, something that reminds you of home, something that might be soft and smell good and makes you feel hugged or loved. Anger just doesn't seem to go with that. When you feel anger, it just sounds so prickly and hot and uncomfortable. It sounds like in blanket form, it would be 
rough and heavy and kind of the opposite of soothing. But if we go to anger a lot, that blanket would be comforting just in the fact that it would feel familiar, more familiar to us than vulnerability feels. It makes sense to me to think of it as like a weighted blanket, but one that is just a little bit too heavy. Have you ever used a weighted blanket before? You put it on thinking that it will help you relax and feel tired and feel ready to be still and calm. But if it was a little too heavy, I want you to picture this. There's just that awkward, little bit heavy and uncomfortable feeling. Like it isn't exactly what you were expecting. It feels like a little bit too much, but it's so heavy that the motivation to move it off of you is lessened. It just feels easier to keep it on and to tolerate and acclimate yourself to the blanket, to get used to the heaviness and just stay still. Do you know what else it reminds me of? Maybe this is an an analogy that might feel more familiar to you too. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and you had to either pee or you were thirsty or you needed medicine, but you were really, really comfortable in bed and you were overcome with that tired feeling that just overtook your need for a drink or to go to the bathroom or to get up for anything. So you didn't get up, but you try to talk yourself into getting up. You tell yourself that it would be just quicker to get up and do what you need to do and then get back to bed and back to sleep. But you just can't make yourself do it tired takes over. It takes priority in that moment. Well, that is what anger as a blanket reminds me of. You know that the blanket or the anger is just a little bit too much. You know that it would be better to take the blanket off, to remove that layer of anger, get it over with and get rid of it. Just like you should get up and do what you need to do in the middle of the night, but you just can't get yourself to do it. It seems like you will be more comfortable to just acclimate to it, to not move, to not get up out of bed. It seems more familiar and you tell yourself you can get used to it. Change seems scarier. Throwing out your anger would be relative to getting up out of bed and taking care of yourself, but you don't do it. So what is it that is underneath that blanket? What is under the anger that we are afraid of? I did say that it's vulnerability, but what does that really even mean? And why are we so afraid of it? Because really, it is just that underneath this feeling of anger is another feeling, more feelings. And if the way that we process feelings is to just feel them, 
let them course through our body and acknowledge them, then why does that seem so scary to us? They're just feelings after all. Why would we cling to one feeling so hard just to avoid a different feeling? Why does one feeling seem so kind of comfortable, especially when it's anger, not happiness, not joy, not comfort, but anger? What is it about sadness and shame and guilt and fear that we want to protect ourselves from? It's true that it's human nature, but of course, each of us probably has a unique answer to this question just a unique cocktail of exactly which flavors of feelings feel terrible to us. And the answer to that question for each of us lies in our childhood, our unique trauma experiences, and our triggers. We each have the feelings that remind us of something that has happened in our lives when we were younger, that caused our younger self to create this protective reaction. Problem is that protective reaction helped us when we were young, but it is no longer helpful or necessary. It is just a habit. Okay, so some examples. I know that it doesn't help for me to give a bunch of theory and then If it's hard to relate it to your real life, it just doesn't feel that helpful. So let me walk you through some real life examples that might help you to relate. One of my previous clients would get angry at her husband more often than she wanted to. He would make plans with his buddies to go fishing, hunting, to do the things that he always had done with his friends. And she didn't mind. She also regularly made plans with her friends to go out into shop or do crafting and quilting, which she liked to do. But every time that he had plans coming up, she could feel this anger starting. She was kind of confused by it. She would find herself getting a little bit passive aggressive with him picking on him about how he loaded the dishwasher or if he left his shoes in the living room instead of putting them away, little things that didn't usually bother her. As we coached, we worked on what was underneath the anger. If that blanket of anger was suddenly pulled off of her, what was underneath it that she was reluctant to feel? After some work on this, She remembered watching her older sisters going off with their friends. She wanted to be included, but she was much younger, and she could recall the prominent feeling in those situations as feeling left out. So anytime that feeling of left out came up in her present life, It just brought her right back to being that little girl and watching her sisters walk out the door to do things, all dressed up with makeup on, going out to do fun things that at her age then, she could only try and imagine 
what they were doing, but she really knew nothing about what they were doing. So now when her husband was getting ready to go on a trip, she was not consciously recalling being young. But the thing about awareness is that once you see it, you can't unsee it. It had never occurred to her before that there was any similarity between those two situations. But once she saw it as we coached, it made sense to her that she would feel triggered when he was getting ready to walk out the door to have fun without her. The part that was harder to understand was how choosing to feel angry at him was helping her. She didn't want to feel angry. It didn't help her husband, and it didn't feel good to her either. She was ready to change this dynamic, but to change it, she first had to understand it and understand that it felt more familiar and comfortable to her to feel anger than it did to feel left out. But after talking it through, she could picture that feeling of left out as if it was a raw wound underneath that blanket of anger. Keeping that blanket on avoided feeling that raw, open wound that instantly brought her back to how she felt when she was little. That raw wound just seemed so much more painful to her brain. So it reached for the habit that she learned when she was little to protect herself from the pain. But now as an adult, she could realize that this habit, the habit of feeling anger, was once useful, but it is no longer useful or the action that she wanted to take. It was hurting her relationship with her husband. And honestly, It was hurting her own connection with herself as well. It does take a while to change a habit. We tend to go to those knee-jerk reactions because they seem so familiar. But the most important thing that you have to know is that you can't change it until you are aware of what you are doing in the first place. So becoming aware is the first step. And it's the most important part of this whole process. You can change only what you see. I will give you one more example from my own life. Growing up, I have three younger siblings and my mom can be a pretty big talker sometimes. Her nickname in high school was Gabby because she talked so much in high school. She loves to talk and she loves to tell a story. My siblings and I were all pretty quiet when we were younger. When I picture us as young kids, I can just picture this dynamic of my mom talking so much that we just really didn't fight to talk. We all kind of gave in a bit and didn't try as hard to fight for that spotlight. Now, I am certainly not saying that my mom did anything wrong. She is the most well-intentioned person that I know. She loves us fiercely, and she was always a stay-at-home mom, and she would do 
anything for us. But when I picture us having conversations, I can also easily picture her very easily dominating conversations. It's just her personality to have a lot to say. Sometimes now as an adult, I can feel myself get triggered when I am in a situation in which someone in a group is dominating the conversation. If I have things that I want to contribute to the topic that everyone is talking about, and I have a hard time getting into the conversation because other people jump in quickly, and I feel like I have to fight to talk or raise my voice more than a normal talking voice to force my way into the conversation, I can feel myself do two things. One is to begin to feel anger. And then the other is to give up and just withdraw from the conversation. I used to think that this was really an other people problem. Whoever it was that is dominating the conversation or not letting me talk would be who I would begin feeling frustration with. And then the solution that worked for me when I was little was to withdraw. You know that fight or flight reaction? It was definitely flight from the conversation. Maybe not from the room, but emotional flight from the group. It protected my feelings when I was little so that I didn't feel incapable or ineffective or less skilled at conversation. I withdrew and felt kind of a quiet, simmering anger that I was not able or allowed to talk. It worked for me to be quiet. But now as an adult, I realize a couple of things. First of all, there are ways to get into the conversation when others talk a lot. When the group has someone who is dominating the conversation, there are things that can be said or nonverbal actions that can be taken. It isn't a lost cause, as I often tell myself that it is. And another thing that I realize as an adult is that I truly do prefer the side conversations with one person over talking to the group as a whole. I prefer one-on-one conversations rather than being the one in a large group that everyone has their eyes on and who everyone is listening to. Yes, I do present and I enjoy that type of speaking in front of a little crowd. I do like to teach, but in a social setting, I'm not that person who is the loud leader of the group, telling funny stories to everyone. I'm just not that person. It's not my personality. I'm the one at the party who is in the corner having a deep conversation with one friend. That is more me. So it's my awareness of that that helps me to realize that I am not the quiet one in the group just because someone else is the loud one in the group or not because my mom was that person. It may have seemed that way to me when I was young, that I was quiet 
because she was loud. But now as an adult, I can take on that responsibility to be social in the way that I want to be social. And when I feel triggered, when I am not getting a turn to talk, I can recognize that I am being pulled back to being that young child who doesn't have the skills to figure out how to get a turn when someone else is talking so much. I can just realize that I was missing those skills back then, but that I can become skilled at that now. I can be responsible for getting a turn to talk now rather than to feel anger towards someone else who just has that skill for themselves and takes the stage and gets everyone else's attention. I can take care of myself in a better way in those moments if I can gently remove that security blanket of anger and realize that that open wound underneath that I am avoiding is ineffectiveness. I can work on that feeling by being aware of the feeling and building skills that can help me to feel more effective in a casual social setting. So that's what I have for you this week, my friends. I hope that giving you some examples has helped this to all make sense for you. I hope that you can take a little time to look at your life and identify those moments where you might be triggered and feel anger, but you aren't sure quite why you are going to anger. I'm hoping that you can identify where it is coming from and why you might feel triggered in those moments. Once you identify it, then you can move towards understanding it. If this podcast helps you, please let me know. I absolutely love it when listeners let me know what is helpful to them. It means a lot to me. Have a great week, my friends. 